welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am an associate professor of pharmacy practice here and supporting sponsor of Oncofarm at Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. A uh, little delay getting the pod out this week uh, due to some travel uh, shenanigans, uh, we'll call it. Uh, but uh, we'll be a pod uh, coming out uh, right now. Uh, this was um, something I recorded actually a, um, almost a month ago with some students talking about why learning oncology is is hard. Uh, and these are pharmacy students, and they'll probably be, uh, I'd like to do one sometime in the future with a, a bit of a round table of, of folks like myself who teach uh, oncology to pharmacy students about why teaching oncology is hard. Uh, see if we can learn from each other. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. This is, I think, about a 20-minute conversation with some students about uh, what is so dang hard about Learn Oncology, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today we're joined by a couple students, uh, two P4 students uh, who are uh, at the tail end of their biomedical communications APP. They've been doing a lot of writing, uh, professional writing, creating some presentations and some infographics. Uh, and then a P2 IPPE student who's just done a clinical IPPE rotation uh, with me in the hospital before she has learned anything about oncology in our curriculum. So let me introduce our guest to you. Our P2 student is Crystal Chavez. Hello. Uh, and then our P4 students are Faye Ansari. Hello. And Zara Petzelt. Hello. Okay, so Crystal, let's start with, with you. So you've just done, uh, well, I guess four or five days uh, rounding in the hospital on the, the Hemonc service. And uh, this far in your curriculum, as far as disease states, you haven't had oncology. You haven't really had any hematology. You've had some anticoag, and we see some non-malignant heme on the service. So what, what was your general impression about oncology from this, this first week? As far as, um, you know, what is difficult about understanding and learning oncology? Um, I learned that I need to review the medical terminology of the body parts again, because I can, I learned that cancer can happen anywhere. And so when the other, um, med when the medical team's talking about the cancer of a, of a patient, then I would, I would like to follow along as to where it started, where it's at right now, and the differences between the different patients. Certainly. And, um, you know, knowing certainly your terminology between renal hepatic, uh, that's one thing. And then there's adenocarcinoma. We don't say adenocarcinoma. We just say adeno on rounds. Uh, and we don't say small cell carcinoma. We just say small cell or squamous cell. So we, we tend to abbreviate things uh, a lot in oncology. And so there is a language uh, in oncology that those of us who, who uh, live and breathe it every day, um, you know, we have our own jargon and our own lingo and uh, it's sometimes hard for us to stop and make sure we use terminology that everybody understands, including uh, new learners and, and novices. Uh, uh, Faye, did, did you have any trouble uh, in the oncology course with some of that, the language or the lingo of oncology? Um, I did at first, um, but throughout our curriculum, uh, as you go throughout, there is a med terminology course that you know is self-taught. So it was a lot easier for me since I've already kind of had that background of understanding the different aspects to kind of apply what I learned um, in, while learning oncology. So it was hard at first, but then after you kind of get into the um, groove of learning each subject area, it gets a lot, it got a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. 
Uh, another thing that I think is confusing sometimes just with the, uh, I guess it's kind of the terminology is you'll hear people say the cancer is spread to their bone, like their liver cancer is spread to the bone. And um, I, I think sometimes novice learners don't, maybe don't intuitively appreciate that it's the same cancer. Because uh, some people say, oh, they have lung cancer and bone cancer, when really it's just lung cancer that's spread to the bone. So Zara, was that kind of your assumption when you came into the oncology course? If you heard somebody say, uh, oh, my, my, my papa, as we'd say in the South, my papa has lung and liver and bone cancer, would your assumption would have been, you know, a year ago that they had three cancers as opposed to one cancer that's spread to multiple places? Absolutely. I, that is definitely what I would have thought um, and, and did think going into the course, um, you know, being able to learn that it actually originated from one place and spread um, was something that really helped me understand um, what's actually going on. And um, I was able to remember it more based on how you, how you um, taught it in the course. Yeah, I, I know that I uh, sometimes I've been doing this for over a decade teaching oncology and training oncology students and, and, and medical oncology fellows is uh, at least for students is, you know, I, it's hard to bring yourself back to the level of a novice before you learn this stuff. And I'll give you an example. Um, myelosuppression, which is the most commonly ascribed toxicity to you know, any treatment for oncology. I went for years without actually describing what that was because I just assumed everyone knew it. And, uh, and, uh, and um, you know, one of our uh, pharmaceutical sciences faculty teaches the pharmacology and, and talks about myelosuppression. So I haven't really rehashed it, just assuming that it was covered. And it was not until a really, really good student, one of the better students I've had on APPE, um, when I asked what is myelosuppression, described basically osteoporosis and a decrease in bone mineral density. And this was a really good student. This was a student who is now an oncology pharmacist. Um, and uh, it was just kind of, a, I had to take a step back and he's probably listening to the podcast. I had to take a step back and like, I really am maybe over assuming what students know when they are learning this, if I'm throwing around terms like myelosuppression and peripheral neuropathy without fully explaining it, and, and I think sometimes we assume that this medical terminology, you might know what it is in a multiple choice exam, but if you're asked to explain it, uh, sometimes it's hard to pick that up. So that would be my advice to trainees is, is if you see it in, in a chart that somebody has peripheral neuropathy or they have some side effect that you know what it means on the test, ask them, ask the patients what that's like, because then you'll get a better understanding of what that, that actually entails. So certainly there are some challenges with the... Um, uh, with, uh, uh, I guess, the terminology, uh, the, the, um, some of the biology and the disease states. Um, what about the amount of material that there is to learn in oncology, Faye? Did you find that, you know, what you had to kind of know about chemotherapy, was it similar, less, or more than what you had to know about, say, antihypertensives? It was a lot more than what I had to learn about in antihypertensive. Um, oncology is just there's so many different medications, so many different treatments out now. And it's just a plethora of information that students have to learn. Um, and it was difficult. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a lot to memorize and a, a lot of different regimens that you have to understand to learn. You're going to scare Crystal Faye. <laughs> 
you're kind of scared. She's not going to want to take the course next year, which is required. Um, there is a lot. And you know what? We don't even cover <laughs> all the drugs that are approved. We cover the ones that are most commonly used. But uh, one of the infographics you guys just did about the new, uh, the new lung cancer drug is a drug I probably will not cover a whole lot in the course because it's pretty niche. It's not going to be used a whole lot. And there's just there's so little time that you got to focus on the drugs that are either used the most or are the most dangerous that you have to know kind of what you're dealing with. Um, Zara, did you have the same, uh, same kind of feeling about the amount of material as far as the chemotherapy drugs? Yeah, I, I would say that was probably the biggest challenge for me was just the amount of material, spacing it out um, in a way that I could remember everything uh, long-term. And um, yeah, I would say, I would say for sure, there's, there's so many treatments, side effects, everything you have to remember. It can be a challenge for sure. Okay. I'm going to ask you both a question. It, think back to the um, cases that are presented in, in like lecture, like in, in case-based learning or in the IRAT, TRAT, team-based learning, any of the cases in labs, and then you've done in uh, the advanced pharmacotherapy course. Um, what percentage of time, just as an estimate, what percentage of time did patients in those cases have hypertension? What would you guess, Faye? 70%. Okay. Zara? I would say at least, at least 80%. All right. Crystal, how often would you say you encountered hypertension in a case-based scenario during the P2 year? Oh my gosh. I think 90 to 95 Okay. All right. So as a P2, what about diabetes, which you haven't learned yet, really, that's coming uh, next semester? How often percentage-wise would you estimate the patient had diabetes? As many times as I saw hypertension, I saw diabetes. Okay. All right. Uh, Zara, would you say diabetes? I would, I would agree with Crystal. Um, I would typically always see hypertension and diabetes uh, together, probably, probably 70% of the time. All right. Faye? Same thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it goes hand in hand, which is kind of interesting. Well, it's true. And they do go together. Um, all right, Crystal, how often during the P2 year would you say in, in the cases you saw in class, the patient had a history of some kind of cancer? I rarely saw that. Okay. I know of one case, uh, where there's a patient with history of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, what about you, Zara? In P2 year, uh, not, I rarely, rarely saw. What about P2, P3 year combined? Uh, still probably rarely besides, you know, being in the oncology course. All right. So what about you, Faye? Is there any time in like when you're, when there's a patient case about depression or about heart failure or about COPD, any of these other comorbidities, how many times, how many, what percentage do these patients have, you know, cancer as, as something going on in the background? Not a lot. It, not, it's basically, not a lot. Like you don't see it a lot, which it, it's, it's very different. You know, you, you learn about, you learn a lot more about antihypertensive diabetes, COPD, because it's, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say the mainstay, but it's, it's very, it's a very common disease state as well as cancer. Um, yeah, I mean, cancer is the number two. You know, so cancer yeah. should have the second most amount of time in all the curricula after heart disease. If you go by, I agree. if you go by mortality rates. All right. So, so Faye, what would you say was easier learning to treat hypertension? Cause there are different types of hypertension, right? There's 
like there are different stages, like there are different stages for different cancers. Some people maybe need two drugs to start with. There are certain drugs you were that you would not use in some patients and some drugs you would prefer to use in other types of patients. Just like there are some chemotherapy drugs you use for some cancers and not for others. And some patients where that might have a contraindication to a certain chemotherapy agents. So you could, you could have some you know, some big picture overview where maybe treating hypertension, there are some parallels to treating cancer, you know, especially cancers where we primarily use drugs. So leukemias, it's all drugs. Hypertension is mostly drugs. There's some diet and lifestyle stuff too. All right. So you could draw some comparisons. So on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the hardest to learn, one being the easiest to learn, what would you rate learning hypertension? I would say, I would say five okay. because would, hypertension and can, hypertension is a lot. Okay. I would say. What would Still. you, what would you rate oncology or let, let's, let's just do leukemia or breast cancer. Just one of the, one malignancy. What would you rate that? I would say like six or seven. Okay. What's a two or a three? I feel like a two or three is like over the counter medication. Okay. What's gout? <laughs> Gout. I don't know we talk about gout. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's also in the oncology course. We talked about gout in, in my course. All right. So Zara, where would you put hypertension? Scale of one to 10 difficulty scale. Probably, probably like a four and a half. Okay. And where would you put the, the oncology treatments? Probably a seven for me. A seven. Okay. So yeah. So you're saying it's harder. So you know, and, and we're kind of talking about why is it harder? So let me ask you a, another question. Um, the first, when was the first time you saw the name lisinopril in pharmacy school? Oh, first year. I mean, you know, in drug cards, uh, we would just see them all the time, pretty much just going through those, even if we hadn't had the cardio class yet. So I was very familiar with that, you know, uh, working in a pharmacy too, seen it, seen it all around. So. Right. It's a top 200 drug. You, you saw it, you know, working as a technician or working as an intern. Uh, Faye, when was the first time you saw the drug cisplatin? When did you first see that drug name? Either year. Yeah. The oncology course. In the oncology course. Right. So there is just an unfamiliarity with the drugs. Like it's, it's kind of hard to learn about a drug if you can't say the drug name, I, I found. So the analogy that I used to, to kind of, when I, when I talk to students who are, who are struggling with the course, is I talk about my experience. Um, after my junior year of high school, they gave us a list of books. They're like, this is what the college professors will have expected you to have read by the time you get to your freshman year of college, which turned out not to be true, by the way, uh, especially as a pre-pharmacy major. But one of the books on there was Crime and Punishment. So I went and bought like a $5 paperback of Crime and Punishment. And it's a Russian novel translated to English. And the names are very, very difficult to pronounce. And they all, they all begin with D and there are like four consonants in a row. So I read it and then I put it down for a few weeks. I came back to it. I didn't know which character was which because I, I didn't know what the difference was between Dimitri and Dimitrioff, like, or whatever the characters are. So I just could not keep the character straight. And I think sometimes learn oncology, the characters are the drugs and it's hard to keep the drug straight because you don't know. They all, some of them all sound the same. All the Mab sound the same. All the nibs sound the same. It's hard to keep them straight. Did you find that to be challenging, Faye? Yes. It, it was very hard to, you know, 
I saw this nib and this app, but which one is that one or the other? And it was just, you know, trying to like differentiate each one to be like, oh, this means this is for this. And you had to like develop like different acronyms and different, you know, ways to remember the differences between each, um, you know, medication or regimen. What about you, uh, Zara? Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Even now, it can still be a little bit confusing if I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, but yeah, keeping them straight can be can be difficult. Did you uh, develop any useful uh, tips or mnemonics to kind of to get over that unfamiliarity, Zara? Um, I I'm not sure about mnemonics, but just making sure that I studied it every day you know, not go on a day without looking at it was the biggest thing, just staying on top of the material because there is so much of it, it can easily get overwhelming. What about you, Faye? Uh, I think the mnemonics for the different um, chemotherapy regimens were really helpful to just like remember CHOP or like, uh, I can't remember the other ones, but CHOP is the only one that I can think of off the top <laughs> of my head. Um, <laughs> so we'll just go with CHOP. And then along with, you know, like what Zara said, just keeping on top of it and being able to just study every day um, is really helpful. Also along with the online quizzes that you provided for us to do to just keep relearning the information. So. Yeah, so for those of you listening who, who aren't familiar, I, I provide uh, basically, uh, I'll create for every lecture a practice pool of something like 10 to 20 questions. And, and half of those questions are kind of case-based and half are just, this is like just basic memorization that um, students will take. They can take as many times as they want for practice uh, and they'll, they'll get a different set of questions each time. So it's, uh, and it's worth in total, like each quiz ends up being like a quarter percentage point of their grade, but students will chase it because it's free points. So I end up tricking them basically into into self-testing and self-retrieval practice, which is the most evidence-based way to study. If you're a student listening to this and you're rewriting your notes as a way of studying, you are basically doing the same thing as using a tenolol to treat hypertension. It's not an evidence-based practice that you're adhering to. Um, yeah, so on, oncology is tough. Uh, one final kind of topic that I assume is, is one of the challenges, uh, and this is an assumption, so you guys tell me if I'm wrong. So, so Zara, coming into the course, um, if I had asked you to describe how many types of cancer are there, what would you have said before the course versus after the course? How many types of cancer? Gosh, I, I probably couldn't, couldn't tell you. I would have no idea before the course. Did you think that, for example, all breast cancers were the same type of breast cancer, all lung cancers were the same type of lung cancer? Or did you think maybe all cancers are the same? Um, I knew, you know, there were, there was breast cancer, colon cancer, but I didn't know that there were specifically types within that as well. Yeah. What about you, Faye? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with Zara. I didn't, you know, coming in, I did not know all the different types of cancers that were out there. And I honestly did not know that there were different types of like breast cancer, different types of lung cancers, um, which, you know, we learned, you, we learned it, so. And so there is uh, a growing, really an exploding amount of new evidence and new information we're learning about the biology of cancer. And I talk about this going back when I first started teaching, the, how I, my slide for how you treat metastatic non-small cell lung cancer 
was was very minimal. It was platinum doublet plus plus bevacizumab, which we don't use anymore. And now you can't fit all in one slide. There's so many different subtypes and subtreatments uh, that we use for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. And um, if you are training in oncology, so you're in a medical oncology program or you're a pharmacy oncology resident, you have the same struggle now that we all have uh, that practice this is that there is uh, a fire hose pumping out gallons and gallons of water a day of new oncology information. It's really tough to keep up on. And uh, it's tough to determine what is worth your time to keep up on uh, and what is going to end up being practice change. That's the biggest challenge currently in, in oncology. And this is someone who, who's teaching this stuff uh, and knows the basics pretty well. But the, the new stuff coming out uh, is just, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's so much new stuff that, uh, you know, you, you can't add it all because I still have the same roughly 30 hours every year, uh, to, to divvy up, to teach the, the chemotherapy drugs and how they work, how they behave, and, and then how we treat diseases and take care of patients with cancer. And there are 20 new drugs every year and they don't all make it into the slides, uh, in the, in the upcoming course, just because there's only so much room. So as we kind of wrap up here, uh, uh, I'm going to ask Faye and Zara, what, what, um, what advice would you give to Crystal to kind of help, you know, get her mind dry or to face the, the material in the right way um, uh, going into oncology? Because I know you both said that there's kind of a, a perception, maybe, maybe it's real, because not only is there oncology in this course, but also HIV and all the autoimmune diseases, that it's one of the harder courses, not the hardest course in the curriculum. And I think sometimes if you're really afraid of something, that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy and you can maybe be a little overwhelmed. So, so Faye, what advice would you give to Crystal uh, as she, um, you know, just kind of bides her time through the neuro and the psych and the diabetes stuff, just waiting for that oncology course starting in January, what would your advice be to, to Crystal to be best ready uh, to learn this material? I would say, um, you know, review your material that you learn each day um, keep up with it. Also, you know, as, as you go through the curriculum, make sure that you understand the fundamentals because the fundamentals that you learn in the first part will really help you later on as you advance through the course because they kind of build up on each other. So if you understand the fundamentals really well, it'll really help you going forward um, to understand all the different regimens, all the different um, oncology uh, drugs and medicines. And, um, even with the hematology, the same concept, when you first start out learning about it, understand the fundamentals and going forward that way. That's a great point, Faye, because it's not just oncology, you know, there very well may be an exam question that is, here's a patient with a specific type of breast cancer. who's going to start a drug called apelosib that causes hyperglycemia in most patients. And she now has hyperglycemia. How would you treat it? It's essentially a diabetes question, which I'm not going to teach. I'm just going to assess how well you learned that, you know, three months in the past, um, uh, in, in a prior course. Uh, so it's not just oncology because all these patients with cancer also, they, they have hypertension and diabetes too. And our drugs sometimes make their blood pressure and their, their, uh, their glucose levels worse. Zara, so what would your advice be to Faye or sorry, to Crystal? I would also say to continue to review every day. If you don't know something, look it up and really learn about it. That'll help you remember it better. And sometimes it helps me to ask questions like, 
okay, um, how, how exactly does this drug work in the body? What are the side effects? Like asking yourself questions out loud and answering your own questions can help you remember it. And uh, something I found was useful was after I went through a section of material or a couple sections, I would take the quizzes on those. And if I didn't do very well on a quiz, I would know that that's the section I need to go back and look more at. So that kind of helped me determine how ready I was and what things I needed to spend more time on. Yes, thank you both for your feedback. And, and I would say that if you take a blank piece of paper, you know, if, if you have learned the material right, this is how you test yourself. Did I learn these chemo drugs the right way? Is take a blank piece of paper and at the top, you know, create, have a row at the top that says drug, mechanism of action, um, uses where it's used maybe, but that can be fluid. I don't care so much if you know which drugs are used which at, at a student level, but what are the common toxicities and what are the very, you know, unique or serious toxicities like the, the heart failure with doxorubicin. And can you write down doxorubicin, cisplatin, cyclophosphamide? Can you write those drug names from scratch and fill in that table? If you can do all that, that's how you know that you've committed that stuff to memory. And if you can, if you can do that from memory, there's a good chance it's going to stick there long-term, at least stick well enough that you'll be able to recall it on a multiple choice test, such as the licensure exam or NAFLEX. So that'd be my, my big picture way to, to self-assess if you know that, because that's the key thing in learning is, is assessing how well you uh, have learned material that you think you've learned. And a common thing, we'll end on this, a common thing that I tell my P4 students when they start uh, is there are lots of times you think you have learned something but your brain has been conditioned over years and years of public education or education in general is to recall the best of four options. And it's a different part of your brain when you're asked just to say something like list the toxicities of cisplatin. It's a lot harder to list them than to identify one toxicity from a list of three distractors, which is often how we assess you all. Well, thanks Faye, thanks Zara, thanks Crystal. Uh, I hope other folks will find this uh, useful. Thank you.